Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Recorded live. Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again doing another episode of the podcast. But uh, we put it off a little bit this week, uh, wanted to wait for what is kind of one of the uh, the real kind of benchmarks in time as far as the preseason and, and knowing that you're getting two season. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe honestly in retrospect, you, you look at things and you think there might be more than, than there is or, or really I think it's just tied to the urge that kind of everybody has for college football in general right now. Um, not sure we got any like huge pieces of information out of Jimbo Fisher. Not sure you really could have expected a whole lot, but uh, let's do have a conversation as to kind of the general thoughts of the team and what you can um, take away from from the press conference today. Well, uh, I think Jimbo Fisher came into this press conference with a message, and I don't know. There are certain things he will say and certain things he won't say. And then there are certain things I don't think that he knows to say. So let's start first with the things that Jimbo Fisher will say. He came out firing today using words like teach, education, fundamentals, building blocks, attitude, all this kind of, all that kind of stuff, right? Now, what is Jimbo Fisher saying here? This is a really young team. It's going to have a bunch of big-time mistakes. It's going to be really inconsistent. All right? Now, I hope that actually goes through all right when we're recording this, you know? Um, it, he can't come out and say, hey, guys, this team's not going to be very good because that would not ver- that would not play very well with the people over in ticketing and marketing, right? And that might not even be true. This team might be pretty good. But he, he has to know at this point, I think, with a team this young – that it's going to be incredibly inconsistent and probably pretty frustrating to watch and almost certainly frustrating to coach. So, you know, for, for me, that was my number one takeaway from the press conference today, just how young this team is. And we, we asked him, I had David Visser, our, our managing editor, who was at, at Pertomach Nation, who was at the, the uh, press conference today. He said, Jimbo, can you recall a time or a season in which you've had lesser, you know, mm-hmm. had younger skill position guys? And Jimbo was literally stumped. He was like, uh, and he, he sat there and he thought a bit. And, and took a second. Took a second. Absolutely. Typically, Fisher doesn't do that. Fisher, you know, he is just on the ball, man. And and he thought, and he goes, no, I, I, and he tried to like kind of, kind of, kind of go around it a little bit by like looping in defensive players. But, you know, the question was offensive focus. So uh, he said, no, I, I, I guess not. You know that's that's a pretty big issue when you run a pro style offense. It asks a lot about you know a lot of receivers to to make adjustments, make reads, and and uh, and run the correct routes and be you know a- act as one with the quarterback. So uh, you know I, I, he really talked about how he likes his team's attitude, a lot of nebulous concepts that we really can't qual- you know can't quantify. 
attitude, desire, determination, you know, that, that, that type of stuff. Uh, and he talked very little about individual players today. He, he declined to, to name any leaders on the offense. And I, I don't think that's because he doesn't want to. I don't think he knows. You know, I, mean? I, I think there is so much about this team that he doesn't know because he looks up and, up and down the board and this team has only 10 seniors and 17 juniors, you know, 27 upperclassmen. The rest of the guys that, that, that comprise the, the roster, which is like, you know, 80, 85 players are underclassmen. Um, and and a, a whole lot of them are, are, are freshmen or redshirt freshmen, 31, in fact. Um, you know, more, more, reg, more, more freshmen than juniors and seniors combined on, on this ball club. So I, I really, and, and you're one of your seniors is a kid you've had, you've had it on campus for six weeks and have never actually seen him play in, in your system in Everett Golson. So, you know, to me, man, I, uh, there's a lot to take away from today, but yet Jimbo Fisher also didn't say that much. And I, I think that's because he doesn't know. True. Uh, it is, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's a recency bias, but it is the first time that I remember him not kind of, going on a tangent about particular players' potential or um, just kind of going into a little bit of Jimbo hyperbole, although you probably don't see that from the season opening presser. So uh, I take that back. Um, Yeah, I agree with you as far as real broad um, kind of praise and encouragement and talk like uh, if this team was a person, I think it was pretty great. Um, So I I think – I'd want to be friends with it, he said. Yeah, yeah, I'd want to be friends with it. And then and then kind of the uh if there was any kind of uh Jimbo hyperbole, if you will, it was kind of the lauding of praise for the freshmen, which is um interesting, you know. I mean that that's tough to tough to know a whole lot about most of those kids that have only been on campus for a little while. Obviously you had the the early enrollees and, and guys who happened to be some of the more talented people in your class. But, uh, yeah, I think it was lowering expectations, uh, which honestly has been going on for about two months or so, um, lowering expectations, addressing youth, and just kind of uh, laying laying the groundwork for the general fan base to realize how young and exactly how many variables exist in this season. A lot of, a lot of unknowns, like you said. I mean, you know, okay, so I, I, he did certainly uh, praise the true freshman. And, you know, that, those might be the most talented guys on this team. You know, a, a Derwin James, George Campbell, Jock Patrick, all, you know, all, all, the, all those sorts of dudes. Um, you know, to me, I, I think that, that he's waiting, though, to see, all right, he, he used the term alpha dog. You know, he, he thinks he has some alpha dogs on this team, but he doesn't know he's got some alpha dogs. You know what I mean? He's got he's got to wait and see, and and to see okay, you know can can a true freshman lead in practice? Can can he take the reins? Can he be a guy that people respect not only for his play on the field, but also for his maturity? And I, I don't know that I don't know that that they can yet, and and we'll have to see. Um, we can go into some injury updates real quick if you want. Yeah, please. Uh, Ryan Hofeld is still going to be held out for most stuff due to the knee. Josh Sweat is uh, still going to be held out from team and all contact stuff. He will do individual work. So that's at least a good sign right there. Um, saw a picture of him from practice today. Looks like he has sort of uh, certainly bulked up in the upper body, although really my concern with him was always the, the lower body, given that you know, he's, he's basically had an entire year off from lifting 
And then this is, of course, the former number one overall player in the country before he, he dislocated his knee and tore his ACL. Uh, but he was a guy who needed to add weight and strength in the lower body anyway, uh, and, and has been able, unable to do so because he's, you know, he, he did have that, that horrific knee injury. You know what? I, I hope that because I, I believe that if he's back at full strength, he's a kid who's only in Tallahassee for three years anyway. You know, I, I hope that if if uh, if that's the case and he feels confident and they're able to work him back, I hope that, that they do, you know, maybe play him some this year. But at the same time, I, I, I hope mostly that it's an informed decision from him. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. don't blow don't blow a year when you're not 100%. Don't rush back. You know, work hard, rehab diligently. Uh, at the same time, you know, trust what, what those doctors are telling you. Because I really doubt Florida State's going to be in a situation this year where we're like, oh, man, we, we really got to have Josh Sweat uh, right, in yeah. order to win a game for us. Right? I mean, you already have Featherston. You already have Pew. You already have, you know, th- those type of dudes um, on this roster. And I really don't expect this team to win that much this year. So it's not like, you know, Josh Sweat is going to make or break your season, most likely. Uh, other guys who were uh, out injured, I'm trying to – hold up. Why don't I just pull up our excellent report on TomHawkNation.com here. Uh, Reggie Northrup, Jimbo said, is at 100% uh, and will be fully practicing. So that is a remarkable recovery from, from uh, an ACL surgery after the Rose Bowl and something that's, uh, I mean, that that's something to be excited about. I don't think Northrup's a great player by any stretch of the imagination, but he's certainly a starter-level player, um, you know, on a top 25-type defense, I believe. And uh, for him to be 100% is, is certainly good. Um, Devontae Phillips is back from his uh, his groin surgery that he had that caused him to miss a lot of the spring. Who else uh, out there? That Terrence I'm Smith fully fully cleared. Yeah, Terrence Smith is fully back. Tyler Hunter fully back. Uh, of course, Terrence Smith had uh, turf toe and I think a knee uh, at one point. Tyler Hunter uh, had the meniscus surgery, so he's fully back. Uh, DeAndre Francois, who had the like foot or ankle deal there. Uh, we, we spotted him in the cast a while back. He's going to be out another probably 10 days at least. Um, and then we get to some uh, eligible. Oh, and, and Matthew Thomas is, of course, uh, still out indefinitely. And uh, they pretty serious shoulder surgery there, Ingram. So they expect him to miss. Uh, they Man, I, you know, I, I hope that they get this shoulder right uh, 100% because he's certainly a very talented guy. If, if, they get, if they get him cleared as a player who – once he gets right, could certainly make an impact. And uh, uh, so they, they think he's going to miss some games. And then the fi- uh, final two things here on the who's back, who's not back yet type thing. Uh, Lorenzo Phillips, your junior college linebacker transfer. Fisher gave kind of a weird answer on this. and I don't actually have the exact quote in front of me. However, uh, basically he said that he got the class but they're waiting on the actual transcript or something. Yeah, he said basically they're waiting on the official statement. I, I don't know. He kind of looked off to somebody in the crowd and uh, did uh, asking almost for clarification or exactly what he should say or could say. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a little bit odd. But um, I, I mean, look, the, the fact that you've got the uh, the kid out of DC cleared that's a that's a huge Marcus Lewis. Yeah, Absolutely. I didn't think Lewis I, – I had questions about Lewis. I shouldn't say I didn't think he'd qualify. It's not like I know these kids' grades or anything. But I, I do know that he was uh, had some concerns at one point in time. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, and, you know, is it concerning that Lorenzo Phillips is not yet – is, is it concerning to me that his academic situation is such that they feel the need to hold him out of practice? 
Yeah. Well, let me let certainly. me let me pose it to you this way, Bud. With the luck that Florida State's had at the linebacker position over the past 14 months or so, would would you expect anything different? Uh, it just seems that that is uh, that is Murphy's law right now, and uh, he would be. I mean, that would be a huge deal. You you really uh, you hate to be in a place where you say you need a JUCO to get get cleared and and get into the rotation, but uh, you you really do need that kid to get get it cleared up and, and see what you have. Because he's a college-ready body, because he could, at the very least, uh, add depth at the linebacker position and potentially also, uh, depending on where they use him at linebacker, uh, you know, could potentially add to the uh, to the pass rush. Um, so hope that Phillips gets cleared, certainly. Uh, yeah, wish the kid the best. And then, I'm gonna, obviously, I'm sorry? I don't mean to interrupt, and I'm going to absolutely train wreck our conversation, but I've got to ask you this question. I've been thinking about it recently. Um how the hell does a kid who who plays in 13 games on the 2013 defense decide to transfer to Connecticut? I mean, of of all the things that happened out of that linebacking core, I can't. Uh, it's just tough tough to really figure out what what EJ Levenberry was doing and and why why that happened the way it did. Just a just a, another strange set of circumstances at that position. Yeah, you know, I mean, a guy who I, I was told multiple things there. Some people thought he was very overrated coming out of high school, and I, I don't know that that was necessarily the, the case. I I think that he was perhaps overrated early in his high school career because he developed faster than a lot of the other kids. Uh, I don't know if he was actually overrated by the, by the end of the high school career, uh, mm-hmm. but he didn't seem to be in line for, like, big-time playing time in 2014, right? And then, uh, you know, it ends up transferring out. And I, I believe that that was uh, probably a having some disagreements with the coaching staff. Um, it's something that was suggested to me by some people who know some of these linebackers on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I think it's it would certainly help to have Levenberry, even if you don't think he's great. He's a college-ready body, and they don't have that many of those guys. Now, the other thing that will help here, and, and we will talk about a few things in, in this little conversation. How much? You know, three, four, four, three. Is FSU really going to play? They're they're going to play a lot of nickel, I think, a, a whole bunch of nickel, and so that yeah. will sort of, you know, if if eight linebackers is four deep, instead of being two and a half deep, you know what I mean, or or three and a half deep, that's that's a big deal, uh, because that means you have more more guys who, if they go down, it doesn't hurt you quite as much. Now, granted, you will have to play some three, four, and some four, three against some teams, you know, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it's that, and, and yeah. It's not that you can't fill this position at other places, but just recruiting linebackers is one of the best things in general you can do for your special teams unit. I mean, you you've got to think about that as well. You've got, you know, that is a a body type that you want out on punt coverage and kick coverage, and um, that's a it's just a place where you've got to get a certain amount of snaps. And I agree with you. People, you know, go into <laughs> go into the uh, the mental settings department and change the base formation in your brain almost in general in football uh, from a four, three really to a nickel that that's much more the, the, the base of the modern defense, I would say. So the need for three linebackers, four linebackers, you're right. Um, it's not, it's not huge as far as a practicality as to what you see out on the field, but you still got to have bodies on your roster for the two spots that you do have to be able to rotate um, if you're going to become 
kind of entranced by turning linebackers into part of the pass rush and, and special teams. So it's just, again, I don't mean to, to train wreck us, but it's, you, you watch that 2013 season, you see a legway, you see Levenberry. I'm not sure you think either of those kids are future All-Americans, but, you, you know, you think you see an idea as to what the future might look like, and uh, it certainly has never panned out. Yeah, oh, there, there's no doubt about that. And I, I don't think you, uh, I don't think you took us off track at all, man. I, I think that's one of the reasons why why people like our conversations. That if, if there's a, a, a road worth going down, we'll go down it. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of of linebackers and uh, personnel and defensive formations, a quick note here is that in in the three four, in, in when they uh, when they play three four uh, during pass rush situations. Pugh is actually going – Jacob Pugh, sophomore linebacker, is actually going to line up opposite of sophomore defensive end uh, slash linebacker Lorenzo Featherston. So that would give you two guys who are in that sort of, you know, 235 to 250 type quick edge rusher type range off the edge or when they do play that 3-4, which could come into, you know, come into play uh, potentially against Miami, potentially against Florida, uh, less so against Clemson because Clemson does not run a whole lot of two-back type stuff. Uh, but you know, just something to keep in mind there. That does not mean that they're going to be playing opposite of each other in all of the defenses. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Where uh, where do you want to take this now? You want you want to talk a little quarterback? I, I know that you know Jimbo Fisher today told us, hey, this depth chart really doesn't mean anything. The meaning the one that they gave out at AC Media Days, and we talked about that on this very podcast. And I think we actually used the words, it doesn't mean anything. I think Fisher said it doesn't mean nothing. Uh, so you know, point made. I think, uh, yeah. Fisher, uh, he had a couple country moments today, definitely. A lot of, lot of, he did. Uh, ain't gonna not and uh, all kinds of nice Jimboisms. So, you know, I, I'm okay with the Jimboisms. You know, I, I, that, that's, that's him being him. Um, you know, I, I have a hard time believing some of the stuff he says with regards to like how hard a team works and whatnot because, you know, he, he, he said stuff today about last year's team. Uh, that was that painted it in a negative light, essentially. But at the same time, he didn't say any of that stuff last year. So, do you yeah. believe him when he do you believe him when he says this year is different? I I do, but only because I think I have people who tell me that that their guys on this team are working hard. Um, you know, I don't know if you can take him at his word for stuff like that, though. Just when when he just says it, because he doesn't ever really say anything negative about these guys, and and, and as we know. Not everything is always positive. Yeah. There was a, a about a five-minute period of time from today's presser where, uh, to put it in a social media concept, you almost felt like he was uh, subtweeting some of the, the members from the 2014 team, uh, defensive players perhaps in particular. But uh, you're right. That's a good point. That's not a comment he ever made when those guys were on the roster or playing, and uh, nor would you expect him to. I mean, he's he's – pretty much a player's coach and, and for I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but he's he's always gonna back his kids. He's never gonna say something, you know, publicly negative about him. He's he's almost in that way like almost like a really old school baseball manager. You know what I'm saying? Um he's just you're just not you're not ever gonna see him probably publicly bury one of his players. No, no, I I I don't know if uh um you know, if publicly Barry is, is what I expect either. But, you know, if, if you wanted to be more honest about last year's team, uh, as opposed to just giving the sort of company line, he could have said, well, you know, I uh, 
I tried different methods to motivate these guys. We, we you know, tried to, to ask for an attitude of domination, and I'm really not sure how well that took. I think some guys have worked really hard, and some guys, you know, probably need to really start turning it on right now so that we can have a productive fall camp and, uh, and, and get rolling into the season and play close to the level we were at last year, uh, meaning 2013. But um, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't really say that. He, he, and I think that we – I think we had to read in to the attitude of domination thing, which we did. You know, we, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the best things that we do is that we say, what does Fisher, what did Fisher say? What do they actually mean? You know, today he used all these buzzwords like teach and education and stuff. Uh, and when you have such a young team, like he has, I think the right read here is that he really does have to teach these guys fundamentals how to play football. And they're not going to get a whole lot of like scheme specific work done. You know, they're going to be pretty basic probably. And, uh, and it's going to be tough, and there's going to be some serious growing pains for, the, for this team. Um, you know, last year, I, I think that we were right to read into attitude of domination was him trying to find a way to challenge these guys not to be complacent. Um, we'll see how that, how that works this year. Quarterback-wise, though, he did say uh, everybody is going to get equal reps, uh, that it doesn't matter if somebody is listed as number one or number three, because if you recall – Everett Golson was listed as the number three QB there on the depth chart. And uh, mm-hmm. um, that's not probably going to come to fruition. I'm, I think yeah, uh, number two, is going to start. He's right, got yeah. to show himself today. And I, I think now, he did say JJ is number two, but I, I believe that what he meant was JJ is also with the twos, right? Or, or maybe JJ is in there too. I don't know if he specifically meant to say JJ is number two because then that means McGuire is number three. And I don't really believe that. Um, but yeah, he, sometimes Jimbo talks so fast that, that he, that he misspeaks at times. Um, so ultimately I was asked on a radio day, did a, did a radio show over there in Jacksonville and they said, do you believe this is a true quarterback competition? So I'll, I'll throw it to you first, Ingram, and, th- and then I'll, I'll either agree or, or disagree with you. Um, yeah, no, not really. I mean, that's the long and the short of it. I, I could go, I could be real, uh, just wordy and, but no, I don't think so. Short answer is I don't think you bring him in uh, if you don't plan on playing him, and I don't think you bring him in if you don't want to plant the seed of doubt in a guy that you otherwise have full confidence to uh, to execute the job. And uh, and really, I can't think of two more people that it would be hard, like more difficult to judge, um, like what you ask of particular players, the, the two offenses that you would run are, are so different uh, underneath, you know, McGuire or Golson. So um, you, you have to make a decision as to what you want to be conceptually and what you want to do. Uh, but I think you've made that decision, and it's. Uh, I'll just go back to what I said. I, I don't think it's a, a truly an open race per se. You know, I I, I think I think it is an open race because I, I feel like all right, if if you take some hypothetical outcomes and one of those outcomes is that McGuire is out playing Everett Golson in practice uh, clearly, then I, I think that you have to start McGuire because I, I don't think you can start a guy who his teammates do not believe is the best player, right? At the same time, though, I think I'll say this. Ties go to Golson. You know, kind of like in baseball, a tie goes to the mm-hmm. runner. Uh, if Golson is Close. And, you know, hey, these guys have been in uh, – I hate these combat references sometimes, but you know, they, they've been in, in live action with McGuire. They've seen the ups. 
and the downs for him. But you know, he did fill in and, and beat, uh, and, and he did fill in and was the quarterback uh, when they defeated Clemson. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that he he defeated Clemson, but he was the starting quarterback when they beat Clemson and did some good and bad things in that game. Um, but at the same time, I think this is, uh, you know, the guys also saw that, hey, he didn't play very well in the spring game. And, and I mean, he had some good moments and also some bad moments, and some were his fault and some were not. Uh, but go, I, I think that, especially on the defensive side of the ball, these defenders certainly have a good respect for Everett Golson, I would believe, based on what when they faced him last year, right, in, in Tallahassee when he was playing for Notre, Notre Dame. Uh, so, you know, that to me is – I think that it, it is a competition, but it's not one that I believe is going to be tough to win for him. I think it's, as long as you're in the ballpark, if you're Golson, I think you're going to get the nod. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I say that, obviously I don't mean that it's uh, it's an absolute done deal that I think it's Golson, but I think uh, I think Golson would have to play at a level – um, I'm not. Sh- Let me put it this way. I'm not so much sure McGuire can win the job as Golson can play at a level to to open up this to make it a quarterback competition again. So um, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, nothing nothing wrong with difference of opinion. Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I just it'd be hard. It's hard to see me ever Golson or hard for me to see ever Golson sitting the bench here. But he does have to go out and at least show it. Uh, um, but let me let me ask you. Let me see how I can phrase this. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the freshmen again, but I also want to circle back to the idea that I, I don't think this is necessarily a unique thing that Fisher loves the freshmen that are coming in. Yeah, I mean, if you remember last year, all the reports were. Oh my God! We've got these mountain of human beings along the defensive line and along the offensive line, and, and people were downright giddy at uh, at particular, you know, the size of of the linemen that they were brought in. And that doesn't mean that they weren't legitimate. It doesn't mean that one of them didn't become your left tackle. Uh, I just think that Florida State recruits at a level that any time you put like shiny new toys in front of the coaching staff. Uh, they're always going to be kind of enamored with them. Uh, And it happens to be that this team is even younger than most. But I think it would be almost hard to be in that profession to go through what it takes to recruit and get those kids to actually sign with you and then not have almost a complete uh, sense of optimism surrounding them as you kind of bring them and incorporate them into your program. And, And maybe more Importantly, you don't really know their flaws quite as well just because you haven't seen them play at this level. I think that that's that's probably fair. Um, maybe maybe that that the effect, or maybe that it's more pronounced this year because he knows that the youth upon which he's going to have to rely, right, is greater than in previous years by by a, a whole lot. I mean, you're going to be playing a hell of a lot more you know, freshmen, including red shirts, and sophomores, including red shirts, uh, than, you were pre- than you were last year or the year before. I mean, a whole lot more, you know. Uh, you're, this team is, 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 like I said earlier, only has 27 seniors and juniors combined, and only, you know, 10 of those are seniors. Um, you know, two of them, two of that group it, are, are specialists in, in Case and, and, and Roberto. 
So I, I think you look at this, and, and, and at least I – how do I say this? I think he knows he's going to have to rely on some true freshmen, right? Like Derwin James, Jacques Patrick, maybe some George Campbell. Uh, and, and I think he's probably pretty happy about that uh, because he thinks those kids are, are fairly mature for being freshmen. You know what I mean? Like the, they, they've, they've played in, in, in high-profile high school games and they, they enrolled early. I think that has, has a lot to do with it, but I think also he knows he has to rely on these guys. You know, mm-hmm. some of these some of these guys in, in these upper you know upperclassmen ranks. You know, let's, I mean, you know, Kirby Whitfield, Chris Casher, Justin Shanks, Giorgio Newberry, uh, Keelan Smith, Colin Blake. I mean, how, how many is that? One, oh, two. Colin Blake. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. You know, I, you're looking at, at at a lot of guys there in that upper classroom ranks who are, are frankly completely unproven. And that's being unproven as a, as a fourth and fifth year guy, is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Pro- probably wouldn't be um, on the roster at, at other universities at this point. Oh, Bama, Bama would have cut a lot of the, or excuse me, I want to say cut. They would have found ways to get rid of some of these, some of these non-performers. There's no doubt. And we, 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 we talked to this before. Jimbo, Jimbo does not agree with that philosophy apparently. Uh, and I'm sure it, it when you, when you run a program like he does, it helps to foster the culture of family more. Uh, but at the same time, um, you, you do end up with some some serious not contributors on on your roster at the top. But I, I think perhaps the the overwhelming youth and experience of this team has him excited about the freshman even more because I think in his mind he can't admit this, and he's of course going to go out there and try and win the ACC title game. And, and I do not believe that he is playing for next year, right? But that has to be one of his goals. But developing for 16 and 17 has got to be one of his goals, right? I mean, that, and perhaps perhaps he's looking forward to the future more than he would be in other years. I think, um, to go back to what you're saying, I can't think of a freshman that feels more like a freshman than Derwin James. Uh, so a freshman that feels like a freshman? A freshman that feels less like a freshman. Oh, right, right, yeah. Um, the, the only thing that makes that kid a freshman really is the fact that I haven't seen him play physically in a Florida State uniform. I mean, he's been committed since uh, just for Lord knows how long before he ended up signing with the class. He's, he's, you know, you've documented uh, the fact that he played seven on seven at a pretty high level. It's not necessarily the team that uh, he was with, but just the fact that he was so so good. Um, he's as known of a quantity as, as has that I can remember as a freshman. So um, I completely agree with you that maybe part of the reason for optimism is that a lot of these kids that you have on campus aren't uh, aren't freshmen in college football that existed, you know, five or certainly not fifteen or twenty years ago. Uh, there's no doubt. I mean, it, these guys who are so good are realizing that it's pretty dumb to stay in college for four years if you can go get the NFL money, especially with, with the way these rookie contracts work. And so the the ones that are really good are only going to stay three years, you know? Um, I I also believe that Fisher – okay, so I, I don't think he's going to do anything that is going to hurt this team's chances to win. But I think that – we, we used the word tiebreaker before when we discussed Everett Golson, right? As long as he's close to McGuire, the tiebreaker goes to Golson probably. I think that 
there is going to be sort of a tiebreaker of youth here a little bit at certain positions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, why not? Why wouldn't you I, get the edge to the younger person? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like a, well, I, I've made this argument before because it's, it's eyes toward, it's eyes to the future, obviously. Uh, but I, I think that you're going to see, particularly because I, I do anticipate a little more attrition postseason this year than normal. I think there's a strong chance that you're going to see more guys, more young guys playing than ever before. And I think Jimbo knows this. Hmm. Well, that certainly wouldn't, wouldn't be surprising. And, and really the way the loss, the roster lays out, uh, it's almost, almost certainty. Um, so, but what else do you really want to, uh, to look at just from this potential uh, or this particular press conference? Uh, he, I think his reluctance to talk about individual players is something that you really have to to point out. And I know we talked about that a little bit, but man, he really, he was pressed on a little bit and did not want to talk about individuals at all. And just one. I, and he, he, just one. Yeah. And, and, you know, he didn't really want to talk about Ramsey all that much. You know, like he talked about uh, uh, Rod Johnson and, and talked about some of the off, you know, the off field stuff with him, the positive off field stuff, I, I should say. Uh, but man, I'm I'm telling you, I I don't think he knows. For instance, if you're Jimbo Fisher, do you actually know what your receiver rotation is going to look like? And I bring up receiver because we we published an article on Tomahawk Nation that I I really like, and it, it feels like old school Tomahawk back when I had a little more time to, to dive into some of the stats, you know. And and I just I kind of went down the went down the rabbit hole yesterday and and, and dug all this stuff up and and published it today. Uh, and of course, Jimbo Fisher's hair. Uh, the story we did about Jim Fisher's hair is, is is smoking this thing in traffic, which kind of makes me sad. But uh, you know, you're, there's a strong chance that like only 25% of this team's receiving yards are going to come from guys who are eligible for the draft. Think about that. Mm-hmm. But Jim Fisher has never had a team with with less than or with with less than 37%. Right in his five years in Florida State. 37, 53, 54, 58, 96. I'm sure you can guess what year 96% of the receiving yards came from draft-eligible guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, can you really tell me what the receiver rotation is going to be? Like, okay, we like George Campbell. We think Auden Tate has, you know, some some good physical skills. He's a big dude. He, uh, you know, he can catch the ball and, and probably use his body. And Nyquan Murray, I think, is a player with some good savvy. Are you really that confident in telling me how many – how many yards these guys are going to have, how many snaps they're actually going to play, and, and who they're going to take it from. You, know, you have so many unsettled positions. I mean, just go up and down the roster. If, if I had to give you a pin, right, how many guys would you feel comfortable writing in ink as a starter? Um, yeah, especially with, with your backfield right now. I mean, I would – there's – you start at left tackle, obviously. Um, yeah. I think at this point something would happen, like Rudolph would have to run off the tracks not to start. Uh, all right, so let me, let me ask you this. Let's say that we played a little betting game here, all right? If you write down – if you write, if you put a guy in ink and he's a starter, you get 100. If you're wrong, you lose 100. Do you want the pen or do you want to be the house? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely want to be the house. I think so too. Yeah, I think there are that many positions that that are up in the air. Now I don't know that it's totally closed, but I I think 
that there's even any hesitation as to what you want to be and not not wanting to grab for that pen right there in our little exercise we just did on this podcast, uh, which may I hope this this makes as much sense as it does while we're recording live. Um, you know, I, I think that's uh, that's important. Um, and I think that shows just how many positions are, are unsettled. Fair enough. Um, anything, anything that you took away from just the, uh, the kind of persona of Fisher or how he, uh, his general demeanor or mood, uh, a question that's kind of absurd from the outside, but when you follow this guy for, for as long and the familiarity that you get with him, uh, maybe maybe not quite as ridiculous as it originally sounds. Uh, I, I think he is excited to have a new group of players and to sort of have a reset button and, and establish the culture going forward for the next couple of years. I, I do honestly believe that that, that he uh, um, that that he cares about that and wants to uh, um, and, and wants to wants to do that. Um, he also looks really good. I mean, he's clearly like, – I know last year we joked we called him Slimbo and stuff, uh, but it looks like he's been working out, and his hair uh, – something is going on with Jimbo's hair. His I hair mean, is uh, is better. Mm-hmm. I, I also think some of that – some of that is, is just the shadows in that room, too. Um, his hair kind of – sounds so damn ridiculous. Uh, but his hair looked kind of similar at the ACC media days. I think it was just lit so much better. Uh, that maybe you saw a, a little bit more of uh, of the scalp that happened. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, he, he appears to have some uh, rejuvenation or, or some type of uh, the, the Jimbo Island is not nearly as threatened as it as it had been in the past. So, or hair island, excuse me. If Jimbo is, uh, um, if Jimbo is taking something right? A performance enhancing drug for his hair. Uh, or if he has had some sort of procedure for his hair. Uh, and, and, and we're only talking about this because I, I know that, that he uh, he's made jokes about his hair before. So this is not something that he's apparently super sensitive about. Dude, he's got a hell of, a, of an endorsement opportunity right there. <laughs> Think about that. I'm serious. Like, do you realize how many guys are like, oh, wow. I, I remember how bad Jimbo's hair looked, and now, now look at it. I mean, it, it looked before us in my head. I would think, God, how can, how can like, the FSU, you know, staff not insist that this guy wears a, wears a, a hat at all media functions, right? Um, you know, like, put it in the contract. But now I would be comfortable, certainly with, with, with him image-wise, not wearing a hat. And that's a big that's a big-time change right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, say what you say about that. I, I certainly wouldn't fault him if he did have anything done. The, the way that, uh, you know, people people make very quick decisions about people, and sometimes it's about, you know, getting somebody to take you seriously and getting somebody to sit down and really listen to what you're saying. And uh, part of that means not having them look at uh, these strands of hair that are hanging on for dear life on top of your head and uh, then all the better for them. And I have I had no problem with that whatsoever. But oh, uh, absolutely. I'm not. I I am totally on board with that. Do do what you want to do. Um, it doesn't doesn't hurt anybody. Uh, and if yeah. it helps your self confidence, or you just you just kind of feel like doing it, awesome. But dude, he could do. He could be a serious spokesman. I mean, because he think about like like on these commercials, right? They have oh, you know, before and afters would kill it. Yeah. But but people already have in their head what the befores are. That's the key. 
you don't have to try and convince him because they actually know what you look like. <laughs> and he's and he's old enough. He like so he's not LeBron, right? LeBron pretty serious, or like pretty obviously got plugged up. He, but LeBron is is sort of notable for ha- for going bald really early. There's not a whole lot of guys, you know, in their late twenties who are looking to get hair plugs. Yeah, there are Wayne, plenty guys Wayne in their fifties. The only other player, uh, Manchester United striker. Oh, the soccer was, guy. Yeah, the guy that went bald at like age twenty five or something. Yeah, he and LeBron, uh, same same uh, hairline gene there, evidently. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, so I guess the last thing I, I would I would uh, uh, talk about here is that it's it's odd to me that while we think this team is going to be mostly based or you know the, the most talented players in this team are in their first and second years, uh, the people that FSU are making available for media day are uh, are decidedly older, much older. You know, Aguayo. Andrews, Golson, Hunter, Rod Johnson, McGuire, of course, uh, Northrop, Pender, Jenin Ramsey, Terrence Smith, Marcus Walker, Jesus Wilson. I mean, there's only one first or second year guy on there, unless you're going to count Golson. You know, so that is that's sort of interesting to me. Is that who is that list indicative of who FSU Fields is uh, going to, you know, be their leaders on, on the team? And do you think? On offense, that Golson, Rod Johnson, McGuire, Pender, Jesus Wilson are your leaders. I, I am not so sure about that. Where, who would you see up there? Otherwise, just curious. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think Rudolph is a guy who, who could emerge as a leader because I think you know, like when we played a little pin exercise there, uh, we'd be, we'd be confident penciling him in, and and maybe Freddie Stevenson, you know, a guy who started last year and is now. Uh, I think he's going to be what, a redshirt sophomore um, so, or, or a, a third-year guy at least. You're raising to who because there is so much unknowns, but yet we look at this list and it's not like we think the, like the vast majority of these guys I don't look at and say, oh, that's definitely a high NFL guy. You know, the, the players that are being made available, the upperclassmen are not that talented for the most part. I mean, Jaden Ramsey accepted. Uh the vast majority of potential elite talent in this team, I think, is in the underclassmen ranks. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. I just don't know that, uh, you know, probably just a little bit of damage, not so much damage control, but just preventative. You know, you, you know the message you're going to get out of those players at this point in time. No reason to uh, to stray from the message and just give the uh, give kind of the known product uh, to people. Even if that's uh, even if that's maybe not as interesting from our perspective. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. And you know, you think about it. It's uh, two years ago we had Jameis uh, telling Gary Smith that uh, um, he's good at making people comfortable, and uh, um, you know he could uh, Manziel disease, all the, all that stuff. Manziel disease that, that he could make Gary Smith comfortable in a black church and and, and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, so maybe, yeah, maybe they want to limit the sort of unpredictability of, of underclassmen, uh, but still disappointing because I don't really have much interest in, 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 you know, interviewing many of these upperclassmen because I, I, they're just, they're not all that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else you want to, uh, you want to touch on 
Uh, yeah, one thing from our practice report today, uh, Derek Kelly taking uh, reps with the first-team offensive line. Now, granted, Jimbo Fisher went on a big thing today as to how you really can't read into where people, you know, take reps and stuff. But, but I, I don't believe him on that. That is, mm-hmm. I, I think that he is not uh, accurate when he says that you really can't tell what team guys are on based on where they take reps because we've covered this team for eight years now, and you most certainly can tell. Uh, now, I think it's way too early to read into one practice. I mean, I'm not going to tell you, hey, Everett Golson you know, took third team reps and, uh, and and he's third team. But perhaps Kelly lining up there uh, suggests that the or that was on the depth chart, which we kind of kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, the or uh, in the depth chart with Chad Mavity, mm-hmm. um, maybe that is more of an actual thing. And if so, I think that's a positive. Because they were pretty high on Mavity uh, when he's healthy, which has not always been often during his career here. Uh, but if, if Kelly has made those kind of strides as, as to truly compete with Mavity, assuming Mavity is healthy and that there's not something going on there, but if, right. if Derek Kelly is competing with a you know healthy Chad Mavity, that's a big deal to me, you know, um, and that that helps you get extra depth on an offensive line that sorely needs it because they're replacing four starters all who went to the NFL. You uh, occasionally you'll you'll hear kind of these whispers, or you'll hear general talk, and some of it's true, some of it's not. Uh, there does seem to be maybe a little bit of concern for for Mavity's health. Uh, I don't, you know, you can disagree with me if if you wish, but uh, it wouldn't wouldn't shock me if if maybe that's uh, both a deserved promotion for level of play, but also uh, if if you just don't feel completely comfortable with with what you have in Mavity right now. Oh, no doubt, man. I mean, the guy has not not stayed healthy during his brief career here, and I, I think it's uh, uh, they they need him to be. So, uh, trying to think what else here. I think that's probably it. I mean, we did what forty five minutes on on Jimbo's press conference and the uh, and the first day of practice. So, hopefully, we'll be able to come back and do another one of these uh, early next week. Absolutely, um, that we will do. Bud, appreciate uh, making the time tonight, and uh, you know, it's maybe it wasn't uh, packed with information, and, and maybe it wasn't uh, filled with detail about particular players, but it is yet another hurdle that one has to get over this time of year, uh, and, and a great little benchmark to know that there's not a whole lot left. We are not all that far from real, actual, meaningful football, and uh, this is a, a great time of the year, but it also is a really challenging time of the year just because it's so close, but uh, nothing is really there either. So uh, good to talk about stuff like this. Good to kind of speculate and read into uh, comments and we'll see what comes of it. But uh, you're right. We'll have another conversation early next week and real excited to uh, to cover this camp. There's certainly a uh, a lot more unknowns out there than, than there has been in a long time. Definitely. All right. Good deal. Uh, talk to you soon. Absolutely. But appreciate it, and uh, as always, anytime you can share this on social media, give us uh, give us an iTunes rating is always appreciated. And uh, in general, just really appreciate the uh, listenership that this gets. It's uh, it's humbling, it's awesome, and it uh, allows us to do some things that uh, we'll share with you in the future. So thank you again, and uh, until next time, enjoy it. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.